I'll tell you what missionary life is really like. It's the greatest thing I've ever been able to enjoy or participate in my life. If I had a hundred lives, I'd give them all to the Lord Jesus Christ on the mission field. If I had another 60 years, I'd love to serve my Lord for another 60 years. Amen. Thank you, ladies. How beautiful. Let me just take a moment and uh, say how... uh, Wonderful it's been for me to be here again, as Pastor announced earlier, this is my last uh, evening with you. Uh, I'll be uh, heading back to uh, the Yukon uh, tomorrow, and um, uh, I need to be back for my services on Sunday. Uh, The Yukon is shutting down as far as some restrictions, and I'll be facing those issues with my church, and I want to be in place to help uh, lead them through those difficult uh, days ahead. They're in a state of emergency there because of the, the various uh, cases. So anyways, uh, I'll be leaving you, but I, before I do that, I want to say uh, thank you so much for uh, the, your friendship, first of all. What, what, uh, what a joy it's been just to, to visit with you and talk with you and after the services. It's just been wonderful. I've enjoyed as well the music, very, very, very well done. And I understand that does not happen just because... People have talent. They practice together. They spend a lot of hours. It's a difficult thing, and it's recognized, and I thank you. I'm thanking you for the beauty of the church. It's just very well-kept. It's very clean. That doesn't happen unless people engage themselves in the cause of the Lord. And so I, you know, I, just, want, I just recognize that, and it's been a very joyful time for me to be here. And uh, uh, I, pray, I will be praying for the rest of the conference that the Lord will uh, uh, just bless and uh, you'll be able to find great success in, in the cause of, of Christ. Um, I want to uh, just take a, a moment before I begin my message and I want to just read some cities and then give you a a number associated with that city. And uh, after I read a few of these, uh, I'll uh, fill in the correlation between that city and the particular number. Um, Winnipeg, 92,810. Edmonton, 76,205. Vancouver, 61,460. Victoria, 17,000. Toronto, 46,320. Calgary, 41,645. Montreal, 34,750. Regina, 21,650. Those cities and the corresponding numbers are the numbers of the population of indigenous souls in those cities. Inuit First Nation and Métis. Um, And so I just simply point that out to you. And uh, I know that in Whitehorse we have actually we have 4,000 683 indigenous souls in Whitehorse alone. Inuvik had 3,300. I spent 30, over 30 years there. 
trying to take the gospel to 3,300 people. And Whitehorse has more than that, 4,683 people. And so that's the burden and the call that I have to take the gospel to uh, the indigenous folks of our country. 92,000 in Winnipeg. And uh, I, I just wish, and part of the ministry uh, that, that I'm involved in is Points North Baptist Mission, and we specialize in trying to take the gospel to the far north and as well to the indigenous souls all throughout Canada. So I wish that you would, uh, as you think of us and you pray for us, that we could find success and we could, for lack of a better term, recruit and find those missionaries that God would call to go to these places and pour their heart out to uh, uh, the indigenous souls in our country. Uh, I'm having a little bit of trouble this evening uh, composing myself, my mission mentor, the man that uh, just trained me and taught me and I worked beside for years is struggling. And uh, uh, he's in an ambulance driving, they're driving him around central Ohio trying to find a hospital that will take him. He's suffering greatly from COVID and uh, they can't find a hospital that has a bed for him. And uh, he and I stood many times in the Arctic. We'd look out and we'd weep together. And we said, he would say, Brother Steve, who cares for our folks? Nobody cares. And I know there are people that care, but uh, we uh, began the ministry that we did with Points North Baptist Mission because we want others to care as well. So uh, I'm praying that God will uh, lift him up and give him a few more years in uh, focusing on indigenous souls. Well, I'm asking you uh, this evening to take uh, your Bible and turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 32. Thank you for giving me just a few minutes to share my heart and, and, the, and, and the burden that I'm carrying tonight uh, about uh, my, uh, my mentor, Brother Gary Forney. But as we turn to Numbers 32, I want to share with you a, a passage of Scripture that uh, hopefully I can make a connection between, uh, between that passage and uh, your heart concerning missions. I'm going to, before we read the Scripture from uh, Numbers, I'm going to share a couple of verses that lead up to my, my, my thoughts this evening. I'm not going to ask you to turn there, but I'm just going to ask you to listen and, and tune in and, and, and follow me as we go backwards to get to the place in Numbers where this should come together. But there's a portion of Scripture in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 where Paul is speaking and he uses a phrase in his speech concerning gathering funds for uh, assistance to another church. In verse 14 of that chapter, the scripture says, but by an equality, that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there may be equality. 
And he was correlating the work of the men who were going to deliver the need and those who gave to that need, they were equal. Um, another passage of Scripture that refers to this is in the book of Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 17. Paul is speaking again about uh, meeting the need in a church that supplied the need to help others. And he said in verse 17, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And he was saying that I am going to go do the work of the Lord, and because you've associated and assisted me in doing that, the fruit that is seen by my ministry abounds to your account, you the giver. The equality of the, of, of the local church and the missionary, both sharing in the fruit and the labors. So with that in mind, that there's an equality, that the missionary isn't the top of the food chain, and the, and the, and the, uh, so to speak, and that the, the church giver is at the bottom, I want us to understand that the ground is level, and there's an equality. And let's go back now to the passage that I invited you to find first, Numbers 32. And let me read verses 1 through 6, and let me try to draw the, Old, the, the New Testament and the, and the Old Testament together with an, illust, an illustrative thought concerning missions. Numbers 32, verses 1 through 6, the Bible says this, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle, and when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and Eleazar the priest and unto the princes of the congregation and said, Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, and Nimrah, Heshbon, Eliah, and Shebom, and Nebo, and Beon, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle. And thy servants have cattle. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for a possession and bring us not over Jordan. And so they proposed to Moses, look, we're farmers, we're cattlemen. And the land that we're in on this side of the Jordan, the other side of the Jordan was the promised land. What we're experiencing here is a good thing for us. Just let us stay here. You guys can have the promised land if you want to. Go ahead. Let us stay here. We don't want the part of the promised land. We're good here. In general thinking, in just human logic, not a pretty good deal. Pretty good idea. Bigger piece of the pie in the promised land. But the spiritual leader, Moses, says in verse number 6, and Moses gets a little cranky here. Moses was a cranky guy. I mean, when they were dancing around with the, uh, uh, the calf, the golden calf, I mean, 
He didn't just tear the thing down. He ground it up and made it go into the water and forced him to drink it. I mean, Moses was not an easygoing guy. Although he was humble and he was meek, he was a serious guy. They offered this scenario in verse number 6, And Moses said unto the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war? And shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord had given to them? We'll talk about missions and war this evening. I want to bring those two things together. The issue of dispute that was presented, or the, the thing that was presented in the dispute that, that Moses threw back at them was war. He's a, in a sense, he's saying, we're going to go across and we're going to inherit the promised land and there's going to be a lot of battles that's going to be fought. Your brethren are going to have to go to war. There's going to be bloodshed. And you're going to sit here and not be involved while your brethren go to war? And he challenged them on that thought. Now to bring this all together, and I, I will be very careful with my time this evening. Please uh, uh, bear with me for a few minutes while I, I, I set this up in your heart. To bring this together and these thoughts of the equality of missionaries and the church members, we need to understand that missionaries go to war. Missionaries are an invading force into the devil's territory. If you will, please, if you've ever been in the military or if you've ever watched enough war movies, you know what a paratrooper is. It is like a missionary, the precious family that we saw this evening. They're going to be airlifted from everything that's comfortable and easy for them. And they're going to be airdropped behind the enemy lines. And they are going to be going to war. There are casualties in war. There are things that happen that, that are difficult. War is not easy. You say, where are you pulling this from? Just this odd Scripture? Are we not soldiers of the Lord? Is this not our sword? Do we not march forward for Him? Yes, we are all soldiers, and the missionary is the one going to war, the invading force. And if we are equal, equal if what we do on the mission field is an advantage to the church in that fruit abounds to your account, then can with all the grace and all the, the, the kindness that I can muster, can I just present to you when missionaries go to war, when your brethren go to war, will you just sit there? Or will you go to war in a sense Certainly, if God would call you to go to war, praise the Lord. I pray that somebody would surrender. But what about the business of praying? My first uh, message on Wednesday was about prayer. That's, that's the power. That's the, the energy behind an, uh, an invading army. Could you pray? Could you give? Could you, 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 you be involved in the, in, in, in the faith promise giving? And the faith promise giving uh, is, is, is an opportunity for everybody to give. 
children to give under the direction of their parents. And sure, sometimes the parents are the ones that give the children the money. But they're learning the concept of, hey, I'm part of something bigger than just going to church. I'm part of the invading force that's, that, that's going forth with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it truly is a war. The, the, the thing that he, he mentions, Moses mentions, it, will you sit here? Non-involvement. I'm, I'm, I'm not scolding you this evening. That is not my place. But I'm just asking you to please consider these things and think, am I really engaged? Am I part of this? Or am I an observer? Verse number 7 tells us, uses a word that I think is, is, is powerful in this whole story. Wherefore, discourage ye. He's saying why. It's that verse is a question. And wherefore, discourage ye the children of Israel from going over into the land which the Lord hath given them. Your non-involvement in this is a discouragement to your brethren. Last thing, one of the most difficult things that we face on the mission field is not necessarily the zoning issues that I've that I talked about the other night. It's not necessarily the uh, fluctuation in support. Um, missionaries are supported monthly. How would that work for you if you got one paycheck a month? Not the 1st and the 15th, or the 15th and the 30th. But what if you got one a month? And what if some of those supporters <laughs> only paid you quarterly? And so your paychecks were, woo! <laughs> that would be difficult. But that's not the biggest problem that we face. It's not that we face necessarily the dangers of climate or the dangers of society or that we face the dangers of, of, of people that are resistant to the gospel or false doctrines that are cast against us. That's really not one of our biggest battles. The biggest battles we have are discouragement. When we work hard and we, we, we visit and we witness and we all week long and we, we wait for the church doors to open and we open them and we wait and... There's just a few souls that come. It's discouragement. Can I just say the worst thing that we face is discouragement? And can I encourage you to let's be all involved? Let's understand our equity in ministry. And let's not be a discouraging force to the missionaries, but let's encourage them. I'm so encouraged. When I walk into a church, my dear friends, and I see missionaries on the wall of the church building, you're not ashamed of your missionaries. That's a wonderful thing. When I see a very special place in the back of an auditorium or somewhere in an auditorium where the prayer letters are readily available, I know they just don't come to the pastor's phone and get forgotten, but they're shared with the congregation. That's a wonderful thing. I'm encouraged by that. 
You encourage us when you're involved. You encourage us when you pray. Somebody's been talking, I've heard it a couple of times here, about how there's a, 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 you adopt a missionary and you're supposed to be praying for them and connecting with them. I have a few of those myself. They contact us, and, 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 and not necessarily from this church, I'm not saying that, from other supporting churches. And they say, hi, Brother Donnelly, I'm just trying to let you know that we're praying for you. Ah, man, that's encouraging to me. And I'm asking you to take your place alongside and lock arms with brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world that are fighting. And yes, we can't necessarily do so physically lock arms, but the support and the love and the encouragement and the prayer, we can go forward into the battle with, a, with, a, with an emphasis and excitement that can make a difference for the cause of Christ. Discouragement. I want to share with you a story, and this isn't new to a, a, a couple of you. But one of the greatest warrior societies that ever existed in North America was in the 1800s, the Cheyenne, who lived on the Great Plains of the United States. They had six warrior societies, and perhaps the greatest of them was known as what was referred to as the Dog Soldiers. For the great journalist, Henry Stanley, Henry Stanley of the guy that came to David Livingston and said, Dr. Livingston, I presume, that David Stanley wrote, studied, and saw the Cheyenne dog soldier culture, and he wrote about it, and he described them as the Spartans of the Plains. Time won't allow me to, to go into much more detail, but let me explain to you, if I could please, about the Cheyenne dog soldier. The, the, the dog soldier, that was a descriptive term, and it's because they would take a, a picket, a post, if you will, a stake, and a rope or some sort of a tethering uh, uh, rope, a piece of leather or something. And when they were in a battle, what they would do is, 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 is these dog soldiers, certain ones in the, in, within the warriors would take it in the very heat, in the hottest spot of the, 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 the battle, they would unwind that, that picket, that, that post, and that, that rope, and that leash, if you would please, and they would put it, and they would drive it into the ground. And they were literally tethered to that. And as the battle raged around them, they, with all of the, the courage that they could find, would continue to fight in battle in that circle that surrounded the picket. Ah, oh, what bravery. But what that did, it was a great encouragement to the other warriors. There would have been warriors that were out in front facing the hottest part of the battle. And when they took as much as they could and they could take no longer, they would begin to retreat back and they would, would fall away in order to get a bit of a reprieve. And they would find themselves beside the dog soldier prepared to fight to his death. And they were encouraged. 
The other group that seemed to be uh, affected by this, uh, the, the, these brave dog soldiers were the ones that were timid, and they were far back and behind. And as they battled in fear and, 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 and being intimidated by the, the fierceness of the battle, they would look forward and they would say to themselves, in a sense, look at the dog soldier. What a brave man. I can't be back here in the background. I need to walk forward and I need to be a fighter alongside of the dog soldier. The biggest thing that they did where they were an encouragement. And they fought to the death in many instances. The story also tells us that the only one that could release that dog soldier was another dog soldier who could pull the peg and say, the battle's over, it's done, we've won. Oh, I wish to be as faithful as the dog soldier. I wish to be as faithful no matter what, that others would be encouraged by me. I want to be an encouragement to you. I want you to look at me and say, boy, that's a faithful guy. And we need to be involved in that ministry and missionaries like him. I want to be the dog soldier to some of you that are thinking, I would wonder what missionary life is really like. I'll tell you what missionary life is really like. It's the greatest thing I've ever been able to enjoy or participate in my life. If I had a hundred lives, I'd give them all to the Lord Jesus Christ on the mission field. If I had another 60 years, I'd love to serve my Lord for another 60 years. Not another 60 years. I only, only did half that, 30. But you know what I mean. I want to encourage you. And I ask, that you ask, I ask that you challenge yourself, not my words, but that you would challenge yourself. Am I faithful? If I were to ask you, do you know the name of a guy called Bert Elliott? That's, I'm not talking about our brother Elliott here. Many of you would say, I don't think I know that name. If I were to say, okay, then do you know the name of Jim Elliott? Some of you would say, I know who Jim Elliott is. He's the man that died in 1965 at the point of a spear as they were trying to evangelize the Aka in Ecuador. He came onto the scene like a blazing star, like a, a comet across the sky. There he was, and then he was gone at 36 years old, he was finished. His life and cause and work for Christ was one blazing star. It affected missions forever. Praise the Lord for that. But what about Bert? Bert was his brother. And Bert Elliott spent 62 years on the Peruvian mission field. And he was responsible for 170 church plants. Now, it wasn't necessarily exactly the flavor of faith that we believe as independent fundamental Baptists, but I believe it was truly New Testament churches and salvations. Faithfulness, involvement, participation, equality. I'm linked with a soldier of the Lord. Let me, let me close with another illustration and I'll be finished. 
Well, let me do this. Let me finish, and then I'll close with an illustration, if that makes any sense. But let me finish from Scripture. So I, I, I would take the time, but the deal is set up. They said, we'll go to war with you. But we're going to make some places. Our families are going to stay behind, and we'll go to war. There's then a challenge in verse number 32 of Numbers, or excuse me, of chapter 32, verse 23. I transpose those numbers. Numbers 32, 23. But if ye will not do so, behold, ye have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. That's what Moses said when they said, we'll, we'll go do the battles, but we're coming back here. We'll do it, Moses said, fine, but if you don't do it, your sin will find you out. Be encouraged to be faithful. Be encouraged to, even even when the load is heavy, be encouraged that even when the difficulties are, are there with you financially, that you'll continue to be faithful to your, 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 your commitment. I used to call in my church, I didn't call it faith promise, I just called it missions promise. If you're going to make a promise to God, you keep it. What's our goal, Pastor? That we give 100% of what we promised. That's all it ever was. And God blessed it, and we had 20 missionary projects at $200 a month. And they still maintain that yet today, even after I'm gone for five some years. But the burden sometimes of prayer, and the burden sometimes of financial faithfulness help us to grow and help us to go further than we've ever been able to go before. I close with this illustration. We finish. Thank you so much for your attention and your time. As the hour is now 10, 10 after, give me a couple more minutes. I knew a missionary. I, excuse me, I knew, I knew a man. He was not a missionary. He was a man. He was a saved man. He was in the military. In, in, and, and he trained in the military alongside of some of the South Korean special forces. There's a name for them, and I keep forgetting it. Brother, you can fill me in on that if you know what that is after. The South Korean special forces, and he went as, a, as, a, as an American soldier to train with them. A state of war still exists between North and South Korea, and so the South Koreans don't play around when it comes to preparing and being ready for battle. And they took this gentleman and they, put in, and they took them up to a, a high mountain, a cold mountain stream, in, and, and they, they began to uh, make a simulation of what it would be like in a wartime situation. And so there was a lot of noise, a lot of gunfire, a lot of shouting, a lot of confusion. They were trying to thoroughly reproduce what it's like to be in battle. And, and this gentleman said that the, 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 the goal was for him for, to simply cross this raging cold mountain stream and get to the other side. And they stepped into the water and almost immediately when they stepped into the water, the cold mountain stream would sweep them away. And there was like a net a few uh, meters down the, uh, the stream and, and they would be caught in that net and some men would pull them out that were tethered to the shore as well and they'd pull them back on the starting side. 
shouting and guns and yelling and trying to confuse them like war really is. And they get back in there, get across the water, go, go. And, and the language barrier it w- w- was difficult for them to face. And he said, I, so I just, out of just pure obedience, I stepped into the water and I got swept away again. Pulled him back out. This time he's cold and he's numb and he's exhausted. Uh, He's breathing heavy because hypothermia is setting in. And they say, you got to get across the other side. Put your pack on. And what? And he began to think, this is it. I'll never see my family again. I will die on this mountain in this stream and my family will get a call from the military and this is it. But soldiers are trained to be obedient and go. And he put that pack on and he said, this is it. And he was thinking of his wife. He was thinking of his children. And he put his foot in the water expecting it to sweep him away. And he stood firm. And he put his other foot further into the water thinking this would be it. That, that, and he stood firm. One foot after the other. And he made his way across that raging stream And he got to the other side. And the other soldiers that watched him, that were training with him, they were excited. They put their packs on, and they all jumped in the water, and they all crossed the stream. point of the matter that I'm making with this illustration is that sometimes burdens facilitate or make success. And when you're faced with the burdens of prayer and the burdens of support and the burdens of faithfulness and the burdens of soul winning and the burdens of of, of taking direction from the leadership of your church, your pastor, when you're you're faced with these burdens, sometimes it's a good thing because you're going to find success that you never found. Well, you sat back and were timid. You'll find that staking yourself right into the battle that rages around you for the cause of Christ, you'll find success and others will be so encouraged by you as you stake yourself to the cause of Christ. You'll find that your church will reap the fruit that the missionary receives. Your church will be blessed and and, and, and the fruit will abound to your account as well. Let me encourage you to be a soldier of the Lord. I may wield the sword in white horse, but you're battling right beside me. And I highly value that. And someday when we stand before the Lord, He said, my word said there's an equality. Come here, soldiers. Let's all gather together. It won't be just the missionaries. It'll be the prayer warrior. It'll be the children that give. It'll be the pastors that put off advancing their ministry for the cause of Christ on the mission field and slowing the process down because they're being faithful to Christ. Let me just have a word of prayer and I'll turn the service over to Pastor Again, thank you so much for allowing me to go down this path with you tonight and and try to lead you into convincing you that we're in a war together. Our Father in heaven, I pray that you would move hearts 
to enlist. Let's use move hearts to be involved. Pray, dear God, that there may be somebody, though I've not spoken a word about salvation, that they would understand that we cross the world so people can know Christ. But we love them tonight and we want them to know Jesus right here in Surrey. I pray, dear God, that you would speak to young people, children even, to know that this thing of serving God is real. I pray tonight that, Lord, if you could find it in your grace to lift up my brother Gary Forney, give him a few more years of fighting. But, Father, if you pull his stake and let him go home, I'll understand. I ask these things in the precious name of your worthy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.